You know, even though we've watched Pretty Woman like 36 times, I never get tired of making fun of it. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. In today's episode, we'll talk about our top five female friendships with our intern, Isabella. And in Gender Cells, we learn men eat hamburgers and make pudding. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. Friendships are complicated things. The phrase, it takes two to tango, is usually used in reference to romantic relationships, but it's just as important an idea in regard to our friends. Writing and creating effective and engaging female friendships in any kind of fictional world can be difficult. So we decided this week to turn our gaze towards some of our favorite female friendships in TV, movies, and books, and any other media, really, that sort of come to light. The concept and idea for this show came from our fabulous intern, Isabella, who's joining us for the first time today. Welcome, Izzy. Hi. Yay, we get to hear you now instead of just being referred to. (laughs) It's exciting. I'm glad. I'm glad. We're so glad you're here with us to talk about this. Uh, So where'd you get the inspiration for this topic? Well, I was just on Facebook, of course, and <laughs> someone posted this article from Everyday Feminism about ladies in television and female friendships, and I thought it'd be a great question to ask on to get you know more feedback. Mm-hmm. And so I asked it, and a lot of people responded. Yeah, we had a great response both on the Facebook and on the Twitter page, on the Twitter page and the Facebook page about um, with people giving feedback and giving their their favorites. So what was the feedback like, guys? Because I missed all that. Um, well, it was a lot of people on Twitter just saying their favorite uh, female yeah, friendships. Characters. And f- yeah, their favorite characters. Um, yeah. Yeah. And a uh, top winner, I think, was um, uh, I'm Leslie and Anne. Yes, Leslie and Anne. Parks, and, Parks and Rec. Yeah. They oh, got, okay. They, they had several. I think. They're one of my favorites, too. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, Holly Green, Winners Use Drugs. That's her um, Twitter handle. She said Leslie Nan from Parks and Rec. Who else do we have who said them? Well, that's the same. Yeah, um, uh, we had another one here. We have Debbie Girl Chester. Action. Yeah, Girl Action. Yeah. Cause Ryan, Ovaries Before Broveries. Is that a quote from the show? Yes. All right. That's cool. I like that. I usually say chicks before dicks, but that's <laughs> not quite the same. Well, not exactly TV friendly. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and we had yeah, so we've had yeah, we had lots of people on Twitter who said that. Uh, what were some of the others that we had from the from Facebook? From Facebook, um, Christina says Hannah and Marnie on Girls. Yeah, um, I'm really conflicted yeah. about that show. Uh, yeah, so am I. My best friend loves that show, and I promised her I'd start watching it. And I've watched a little bit of it, but I'm conflicted about between loving it and kind of hating it. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And like I said, I said in response on the on the page that there's a dash of I just don't get it. I think there's there's some generational thing that's going on. That, uh, yeah. And for me, I they're supposed to be my age. Yeah. I'm 22, and I it still kind of doesn't doesn't, doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. And some most of the time, it's really exaggerated. I think. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. Have you watched it at all, Rhonda? No, I I I just get so frustrated with um, some of the shows about that age group. Uh huh. Um, considering my age group is over twice removed from that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't look back fondly and, and with anything except you fools just listen <laughs> I can tell you how to do this <laughs> just stop what you're doing right now don't make my mistakes yeah yeah that might be part of it I I, I, I want to support it because it's you know written and produced by Lena Dunham and I really love you know I like to support shows that are directed and produced and written by women but man there's sometimes I'm just kind of like okay (laughs) yeah that's my reaction too and it's supposed to speak directly to me yeah yeah I mean I think 
I think sometimes the um, women are our own worst enemy. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the way someone women, women act when they're at cons and you're like, okay, you're not helping the cause against, you know, being um, demeaned and ridiculed and harassed at cons mm-hmm. by acting this way. Right. Because women don't have enough um, self-respect for their own bodies, for their own sexuality, and um, have, have a great deal of self-worth. And I think sometimes when we are torn between, okay, I've got to, I want to get this show on TV or I want to get my book published – Either you make compromises or, or else you just, you just haven't woken up to uh, representing a good female character. Yeah. 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 Well, I, well, I think that's why I, th- I, that might be why it irks me so much sometimes is because the characters are so flawed Yeah, and make so many bad decisions. Yeah. And I just want to like hold their hand and be like, no, no, <laughs> you can do so much better. It doesn't have to be yeah. like this. <laughs> If there were, th- th- it sounds like it, they just need a little bit more balance. Yeah, yeah. It's just too I would just like, much going on. Yeah, yeah, I would like one even keeled person on that show. Yeah, exactly. One one person where you're like, oh, okay, this person is making like you, like you said, they make bad decisions, and and you know, and we all had those times where we made bad decisions. Everybody went through that. I mean, I won't say it's a phase. I mean, you go through your whole life, and every now and then you're like, oh, that was a doozy. Where'd that come from? You know, but there there isn't that's that's what there isn't a touchstone there for you're like okay this person has a grasp on reality (laughs) everybody is such an insufferable narcissist yes (laughs) and their their interactions are just you know grounded in that and it's just it's just crazy so anyway so well there's um it looks like there's a tweet here from um box drop Blair Smith, he mentioned Aaron's son and Dargo. Do you know what that's from? I do. That's from Farscape. Oh, okay. Oh, it's um, Aaron's son is the um, the like main female character, and Dargo is one of the alien uh, races or aliens on a, a ship. It's kind of a, a motley crew of people who are trying to escape prison, who end up, you know, all befriending each other and you know going on adventures essentially together. Um, so that's, yeah, that's that show. They're great. I love Aaron Soon as one of my favorite characters. Um, just yeah, in general. There's one on here from, um, Aaron Maline and I apologize, Aaron, if I pronounce your name wrong. And he mentioned Charmed. Yeah. And I thought about, um, Charmed and, um, oh gosh, I was looking at the other one today. Um, well, I have to look up the name, but it was a movie with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Oh, um, Practical Magic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. But aren't they sisters? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of steered away from family. I did too. Relationships. Yeah. Friends. No, yeah. I didn't. That's no. okay. We, yeah. we had no, no, you know, we, we talked about that. We had no parameters. So, you know, there wasn't anything. But I did think that, because I thought about Frozen. Somebody said, um, uh-huh. somebody on Twitter said um, Frozen. Amy did. Uh, yes. Diz, D-I-Z-I-A-R-A. Yes. Yes, she said Anna and Elsa from Frozen. And I loved I loved their relationship and, and that, but I kind of thought sisters more than, than friends, especially since they're so they're estranged for most of the movie. Star Wars Union, is that a game? <clears throat> you know, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I've seen some new Star Wars animated stuff on Netflix and I don't know whether maybe it might be referencing that, but um, That was the Clone Wars though. Yeah, right? those are the Clone Wars. I watched those. Okay. Okay. Uh, Do you know yeah, what so- Star Wars Union is? No. I'm okay. assuming it must be a game. Yeah, El Orphan, El Orphan. Somebody else ought to say these names. <laughs> poor people. They they I know you're gonna write. Just go ahead and write. El Orphan, but Twitter, I should have an excuse. Yes. Um Leia, Princess Leia, Winter, Mara, Mirax, or Myrax, Tioni, and Aya. Yeah. So sorry, we'll look up and we'll learn what Star Wars Union is. Thanks for mentioning it. It could be because they aren't there some um, novels. Oh yeah, that are like the prequels to where the movies start. Yeah, that is that's so one series I actually have never read. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read any of those either. Any of not either. It's just yeah. the canon is just too big. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's a little like how I feel about Doctor Who, which has been one of my was one of my geek illusions for the year was to get into Doctor Who, and I haven't managed to do that yet. But I I look at the the scope of that show, and I'm just like, oh my god, where do you mm-hmm. begin? You know, the same the same kind of thing with Star Wars. Like, where do I start with this? So. Well, with Doctor Who, you can pretty much start on any Doctor. And you get introduced to the show all over again. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Just jump in at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I think Well, I think there were just a couple more. Oh, Um, Missing missing Chapter on on mm -hmm. Twitter said Katniss and Rue from the games. That's a great one. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Toria. Toria shared that. Yeah. Toria is one of our writers for the site. Yeah. I love that. That friendship is great. And Brian Bogg, uh, Speedy Cat on Twitter, mentioned uh, Rally Vincent and Minnie Hopkins from Gunsmith Cats. Mm-hmm. And CJ and Carol from The West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Gunsmith Cats. Isabella? No? No. No. Oh, okay. All That's right. another one we got to look up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I found out this year, though, I... Um, so every time I, something like this comes up, I feel like I'm losing my geek cred. <laughs> I just remind myself that I was born on the same day as Leonard Nimoy. So I'm, oh well, you win. Yes, I That's win. That's a pretty good birthday. That's <laughs> a pretty good darn birthday. good birthday. Yes, so. I can totally appreciate that. All right, well, let's get into our list, our our top fives here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why then? Uh, who wants to? Let's have Isabella start since she's maybe so. here. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, my first one was Micah and Helena for Warehouse Thirteen. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, I try to be a little bit more obscure with my <laughs> picks because while I love Leslie and Ann from Parks and Rec, everybody loves them. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and Mike and Helena, um, Warehouse 13 is a sci-fi show. Um, and Mike is an agent and um, Helena is actually H.G. Wells. She's kind of oh. gender bent on, that, yeah. on oh, the show. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's very nice. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't which, know that. Which I love. Yeah. Uh, because she's just a smart, powerful, kind of no-nonsense woman. Mm-hmm. And Micah's kind of the same way, but they're kind of opposites, where Helena's kind of adventurous. Micah's just like a buttoned-up um, agent. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think they work really well. They kind of have this enemy-turned-friends thing, which actually comes up in my list a lot. <laughs> yeah, you had mentioned it's, that. It's kind of one of my favorite tropes. I like it when enemies kind of ha- are forced to work are together. Forced to work together, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, it adds a certain depth to the friendship when, when you have to sort of overcome that conflict. It, yes. It, create, it creates depth automatically, so, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I was... Uh... There was a, a few that are eliminated from my list. Did any, any of you guys see The Heat this year? Yes. With yeah. um, Sandra Bullock, the movie? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Melissa. Melissa. McCarthy? Um, Is it McCarthy? McCarthy? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm horrible with names. <laughs> well, when we got lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the same kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like that, that uh, start off complete polar opposites until they realize what they've got in common. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. What about you, Regina? What's your number five? Uh, my number five um, is Liz Lemon and Jenna Maloney from 30 Rock. Wow, talk about opposites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons why I love their friendship. And I love Liz Lemon as a character just in general because although I don't, I mean, I'm neurotic. I will not say that I'm not neurotic. I'm not as neurotic as Liz Lemon is, though. Um, but there are times when my internal monologue feels like it's as neurotic as Liz Lemon. Yeah. So I can relate. I relate very strongly to her character just in general. And I love that Jenna is just completely off the wall, crazy um, narcissist. She would be a narcissist as well, you know, so completely focused on hers. But the way that they kind of bounce off each other and interact with each other, I think, is just brilliant. And I always enjoy watching their sort of reactions to each other. So... Yeah. yeah, I love the backstory on them that they, they actually knew each other for a very long time. They mm-hmm. didn't meet at work. Right, yes. Yeah. On the show, they knew each other way before that. I yeah. thought that was cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's that also gives them a, a certain level of depth that they don't have in other, they might not, other characters might not have. So, yeah. So, yeah. 30 Rock. <laughs> so what's your number five, Rhonda? Um, my number five is Elle Woods and Paulette 
or Vivian, either one, in Legally Blonde. Uh, and the um, the thing about uh, Legally Blonde is that pretty much anyone that Elle Woods meets, she's willing to be friends with. Mm-hmm. If you will, you know, she's nice and polite. She accepts everyone. And Paulette is like the absolute last person you think she would be friends with. Right. And in fact, her relationship with Vivian, they start off as enemies uh, because Vivian actually has her former boyfriend. She's engaged to him and they end up being friends. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of that enemy thing, but Elle Woods never approaches anyone that way. She never approaches anyone starting off to be an enemy. So yeah, I, I just like that idea. Yeah, that's that's a real sort of um, outstanding quality for a character to have in general. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so hard for so many of us to try to live like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's nice when our characters do. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's your number four, Isabella? Um, Jane Rizzoli and Maura Isles on Rizzoli and Isles. Um, mm-hmm. Rizzoli and Isles is like a cop procedural. But mm-hmm. um, what I really love about it is that the two main leads are females um jane is a detective and mora is the medical examiner for the precinct and i love that the relationship they have going on they're they're practically like family uh most of the time and yeah i just love that a show put two female leads mm-hmm. um especially in something at like like a, a cop, cop show yeah yeah yeah. It's not really something that we see a lot. No, not at all. That Well, you know, there's Cagney and Lacey, right? Yeah. We want to yeah. go back a bit. I'm trying to think of other sort of female. Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels. Huh? <laughs> 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 well, another. They, they fall in the same category as, um, as Tomb Raider for me. <laughs> yeah. I really want to like them. <laughs> I really have to look at the clothes all the time. <laughs> Yeah, and Rizzoli and Isles doesn't tend to focus a lot on the... It focuses on, like, friendships more than it does on, like, who they're dating and their personal lives. And Mm -hmm. Well, it goes into their personal lives, but it's not so, you know... Relationship-centric, maybe? Relationship-centric, which is a Mm -hmm. problem that I have when on female-centric shows, where it just doesn't seem to be about anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's part of what I hate about girls. (laughs) Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> as much as they all are working on kind of their careers or, you know, going to school, and whatnot, um, it's always that's always overshadowed by whatever, you know, romantic drama that they're having in their lives. So I heard, I heard good things about Rizzoli and Isles, too. I've got to yeah. add that to my list. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I might need to check that out. What about you, Regina? What's your number four? Uh, number four for me, I have Veronica Mars and Mac from Veronica Mars. Um, I realized there's, there's similarities between my number four and my number three. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more after I reveal number three, but, um, I, I, I have been watching, I just rewatched Veronica Mars, um, in anticipation of being able to watch the movie. Yeah, that came out. Um, And I really enjoyed the show and I forgot how much I enjoyed it, even though I I hate the ending of the third season. I don't know if anybody else takes issue with this. Yes, I feel like, yeah, I rewatched it recently, a couple of months ago when I found out about the movie and I stopped at season two. (laughs) 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 I didn't want to relive season three again. Well, season three is rough because over, you know, one of the overarching story arcs is uh, about, you know, a rapist on, you know, college campus. Which, you know, as a professor kind of hits close to home. I'm sure as a recent college graduate, Isabella, that would hit close to home for you, too. Um, So there's that. Um, But then the the end is just, you kind of feel like you hit a brick wall. And the characters do things that are completely out of character for them. And I'm just like, what happened? And then there's nothing more. And then you're just like, what? This was such a great show. And all of a sudden it's gone. And this is how it ended. What? I don't know how this happened. So, yeah. Anyway, um, but I was thinking about um, the Bechdel test, um, the characters, you know, how many female characters talk to each other, not about, you know, romantic relationships or about men. And one of the things that Veronica Mars has is the relationship with Mac, who is her sort of tech savvy friend who helps her out with computer issues and other things. And most of their conversations are about whatever case she's working on rather than, I mean, they do end up talking about their relationships as well, but 
that has that level and that sort of engagement that takes it beyond just talking about friend uh, relationships. So I, I appreciated their friendship for that. And they're definitely, you know, opposites as well in terms of um, Mac tends to be more shy. Veronica's more outgoing. And, um, you know, they're both kind of socially awkward in adorable ways, I guess is how I would mm-hmm. describe yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my number four. What about you, Rhonda? Um, I picked... Donna, Rosie, and Tanya from Mamma Mia. The, um, I love Mamma Mia. Yeah, the, it's the friendship that has lasted through the years. Mm-hmm. And you know that if they didn't see each other but once a year, when they showed up, it would be just like it was yesterday. Right. And um, they've been through a lot together. They also know each other's weaknesses and strengths very, very well. They can right. see through each other. But at the same time, um, they know when to be compassionate and then I want to push. Right, right. And that's something to be said for, you know, sort of long-term, long-life friendships. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't always get to that level, so. No, it's very, very hard. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, I think they, they pulled that off very yeah. well in Mamma Mia. That was yeah. really, really great to, to see that. When you, you see that kind of relationship. It's just like any other type of couple or anything. You're like, oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I love I love that idea of the friendships that sort of endure time. And I look at my own my own friendships that I've had that have, you know, survived through, you know, I've moved mm-hmm. all across the country. Many of my friends have as well. Yeah. And being able to, you know, still manage to get together, you know, even if it's every couple of years and, and touch base with each other, I think is really great. So, yeah. yeah. I, I feel lucky to have that with yeah. a couple of my friends, the friends I went to Italy with this year. Yeah, I was year. just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, that was Rhonda's Italy trip. Yep, exactly. And all the wine consumption. <laughs> 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 well, uh, I, one of the interesting things, uh, we're, we're at the sort of the halfway mark here before we get to Isabella's number three. I had originally re- replied to you guys about doing... Um, Fantasy. Doing this list strictly off sci-fi. of uh, yeah. sci-fi. Mm-hmm. That's almost non-existent. It is almost non-existent. I was, there are some fantasy you might, I was trying to think of some of the fantasy books that I've been reading recently. And and even there, I couldn't like pinpoint strong no. female friendships. Me either. From. Yeah. That's a, see, to me, that's a very interesting fact. Yeah. That's a very interesting observation that, um, there are a lot of strong female characters in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. If you look that up, you yeah. get you get Ripley and you get Laura Croft and you get mm-hmm. um, that's not who I was thinking of Sarah Connor. Yeah. But and when, they're loners. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're always with a team of men or one guy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that that was very interesting to me. We ought to talk about that sometime. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. It's an interesting observation. I was I was literally going through you know, summaries of some of the books. And I'm like, really, Mm -hmm. this person doesn't like they have tons of male friends. Yep. You know, and I wonder if it's kind of the Highlander syndrome. Yeah. They're the only one. (laughs) Yeah. So we can't have female, you know, friendships in these. And then I even thought like Hermione, Mm -hmm. you know, like you want (laughs) to say somebody that she's, you know, female that she's friends with, and you could maybe go Luna, but Luna's more Harry's friend. Yeah. You know, so that made me really sad. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> what is your number three, Isabella? Um, again, with the enemies become friends, I chose Emma and Regina on Once Upon a Time. Oh. That's a great friendship. Especially I, in yeah. this season. Especially I feel like. this season, yeah. yeah. Um, they've really gotten past. Let, I, I just try to forget about the last season of the show. <laughs> season three is just not the biggest fan. But in this season, they've kind of started working together against their common enemy yeah well and they've i think even more important than just that they've acknowledged each other's importance in their lives like like yeah they, as henry's yeah. as mm-hmm. they're both basically henry's mother yeah so in different ways mm-hmm. and i think they finally stopped fighting about it yeah yeah they fought well and if, if they hadn't that would have been one of the things that i would have like picked issue with in the series in general if that had always continued to be like the main yeah, conflict I, between them I've seen a lot of criticism about that show, mm-hmm. about how they deal with um, with uh, Regina being Henry's adoptive mother, mm-hmm. and that always being kind of Emma's relationship with Henry always like put ahead of hers, just because mm-hmm. she's his quote real mother, right? And but I think the show maybe I hope has finally gotten past that. Yeah, yeah, 
it's too it's too easy of a storytelling direction to take. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to see them kind of growing on that. I've taken more issue with this with this season, the current season, than I have the past ones. Although I'm starting, I'm st- I'm enjoying it more now than I was at the beginning of this season when they were um just when they were in um the Neverland. That whole plot line, for whatever reason, just didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. I was just, yeah. just trying to forget that. Yeah, it, I was just and... like, what was this supposed to be? It just didn't do much of anything. Well, in the, um, I only watched, I think, the first season. But I could foresee, it was, it, it, you know, if this show's going to go long term, uh, Regina and Emma are going to have to work some things out. Yeah. And there was almost... There was almost a little foreshadowing there. It wasn't strong, mm-hmm. but you had that feeling you wanted that to happen. So I'm kind of glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, what's your number three, Regina? My number three are um, Bones, Temperance Brennan, and Angela on the TV show Bones. Um, again, like Veronica and Mac, sort of complementary intelligences, like the ways that they both manage and deal with the world are, are very different and the way they take in information and the way they make their decisions are very different. And I like watching the dynamic between each character for that reason. Um, it gets a little tiresome, the dynamic between Bones and Angela when, um, Angela's sort of her Bones is, um, emotional conscience. Mm-mm. Like she constantly reminding her, you know, you're supposed to be feeling things right now. (laughs) It's okay that you're feeling things. And so that gets a little old after a while. But other than that, like, you know, Temperance being sort of the book smart and Angela being the artist and the street smart character, that complement between the two of them, I think is really great. Yeah, we're seeing a pattern in your list as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Isabella's got the... um friends the enemies to friends thing and you've got these this yin and yang thing going on yeah yeah which i think uh, yeah goes through the whole list (laughs) (laughs) pretty cool (laughs) which i didn't even think about until now so that's awesome (laughs) so what about you Rhonda? what was your number three well my number three goes way back um it is judy violet and dora lee in the movie nine to five (laughs) oh that's awesome (laughs) and that's sort of a frenemies uh kind of thing they all start out completely separate Mm -hmm. i mean um dora lee apparently is the naughty girl in the office violet is the intellectual who's trying to climb the ladder and uh can't get any respect and judy is the woman who suddenly has to re-enter the workforce and get a job and mm-hmm. she's been out of it for a long time. So she's, she's sort of like the, uh, the little baby bunny mm-hmm. and, um, they, they all three end up coming together, obviously under a common, a common problem. And they learn that, you know what, I need to, uh, be a little more tolerant and understanding and they begin to appreciate and respect each other. And that's what I like about that. Yeah. It's interesting that, um, Almost all of yours are three or four people friendships. Yeah, that's what I keep I keep looking through here is this, especially the threesome thing. Mm-hmm. There's there's something that um, all of those spots are are pegged in mm-hmm. with uh, um, the uh, newbie, the experienced, mature one, and the uh, the good time girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the id, the ego, and the super ego. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're getting down to brass tacks, Isabella. What's your number two? <laughs> um, Bo and Kenzie from a Canadian show called Lost Girl. Um, oh, that um, I have that in my Netflix queue, but I haven't watched it yet. It's one of my favorite shows, just because it's well, one, it's very it's filled with female characters. It's not just like one or two here. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bo is this supernatural creature. Well, she finds out she's not human. And Kenzie is this kind of like scrappy human friend that she makes. And they kind of complement each other really well. And Kenzie kind of, kind of just keeps Bo reined in mm. from going, you know, too far with these abilities that she finds she suddenly has. So I just like the way that they complement each other. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so you've got compliments too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the only one. I think I think that's that's 
I think for a good friendship to work, it, you need compliments. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, because it also creates conflict to a level. So you really have to yeah. have those two things working together. Yeah. What about your number two, Regina? My number two uh, goes back to one of my all-time favorite shows, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and is Buffy and Willow. Um, again, compliments with each other. Mm, definitely. Um, and And thankfully... You know, had Willow stayed the same character throughout the series, I probably would have not loved the series as much because um, she was very much the damsel in distress. Yeah. In the yeah. first few seasons, she was always the one put in, in jeopardy. Um, but then she found, you know, finds her own means of empowerment, um, even if she does go a little crazy with them. <laughs> yeah, but being um, friends with Buffy, I think, was a big part of that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know that she would have, you know, kind of blossomed the way that she did had she not had that friendship. Yeah. And I think that that's a great thing when, you know, in when you have friendships personally that, that create that in you, that bring out the best in you, that take you places you might not have otherwise gone. That's really the best of what any relationship has to offer but perhaps particularly a female friendship because there's that that um egalitarianism that goes on between two women friends or they can you know where you're really you know trying to empower and help each other as opposed to female friendships that are about competition and one-upping each other um and i think that buffy and willow really had that kind of balance with each other where they really did push and pull each other back and forth to become better and more effective friends and people so cool yeah. well my number two is uh a show i've mentioned on here before uh, the bletchley circle mm-hmm. and it's a show where the, all the leading characters are women um, there are four women it's set um, post-world war ii and millie Jean, lucy and susan all worked in bletchley circle which was decoding um, co- uh, war codes mm-hmm. messages during the war yeah. and they end up they go their separate ways of course the war's over and you, you're a woman so now you're a wife again they all go back to their regular lives and realize that they can't do that mm. and so they um, one of them is almost a almost a Sheldon type character she cannot let a puzzle go <laughs> And she begins to see patterns in a murder that has happened. And she's figuring clues out about it. And she's trying to get somebody to pay attention to her. And they won't. Mm -hmm. And so she calls on her own Bletchley Circle friends. And they're the same way. Um, Millie is the... the, the beauty, if you want to say, the the um, the vamp. Jean is the older, mature woman, the level-headed one. Um, no, yeah, I think that's right. I may get their names confused. And then Lucy's the the super smart one, and then Susan is the noob. She's the young girl, and um, they bring her along. And they they kind of uh, they pull her into the circle, and they they help her um, find herself, mm. find strength in herself, which is a very important. She's in a an abusive relationship and they, they help her out. So it's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And I like yeah. that it's four too. Cause that kind of changes up the, the triad. Yeah. It totally messes about. up my list. But. <laughs> <laughs> it would screw your spreadsheet, Rhonda. <laughs> it would, but I would make it work. Okay. This is, this is the good moment here. Isabella, what have you got for number one? Okay. So I went really outside of the box on this one. Um, mine are Katara and Toph from Avatar The Last Airbender, which is, um, well, it can, it, it's a kid's cartoon, but it's, it has a huge fan base and I just love them so much because they are complete opposites. Katara is just kind of this prissy, girly, um, let's follow the rules kind of girl. And Toph is just kind of a huge tomboy who doesn't like anyone telling her what to do and Mm. just likes doing whatever she wants. And yeah, I just love their dynamic and how they grow throughout the series and kind of become and become pretty good friends and learn to respect each other. Mm. Do they, uh, do they have a little conflict when they, they first get together? Yes, of course. There's a whole, (laughs) There's a whole episode dedicated to how they just clash okay. immediately. And then they kind of become reluctant friends. And then by the end, they become, you know, lifelong friends. Cool. Yeah. I might have to check that out. I've, I've, it's, 
Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I've heard other people talk about it. Actually, several students talk about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have to check that one out. That's on on Netflix too, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it goes off and then it comes back. Yeah, I know. They'd like to do that on Netflix. <laughs> they just want to mess with people. Here, okay. watch this. Okay, Very excited. Dog. What's your number one, Regina? My number one um, is from a show, controversial geek culture show. Uh, the Big Bang Theory um, is Penny oh. and Bernadette and Amy Farrah Fowler. Um, and I was I was just this last weekend, I was on um, a show on Radio FUBAR, Mr. Producer Show, um, with a um, astrophysicist uh, PhD student who's working on her um, her doctorate in astrophysics. And we were talking about, and she's, and um, uh, Mr. Producer had said, oh, you're not going to be happy about this doc because, you know, she doesn't like the Big Bang Theory. And I pressed her about it. And I'm like, you know, I understand. I know there's lots of people who don't like the Big Bang Theory. And I pressed her about it. And she said she'd watched a few episodes um, early, like in season one. um, And she just really didn't appreciate that the representation of female scientists. And I said, well, thankfully enough, they they kind of fixed that a little bit. Yeah. With um, Bernadette and Amy. And I realized when I was kind of reflecting on it and talking to her about it and talking on that show about it that I think I would have been really disappointed in the Big Bang Theory had that not happened and had the progression of the the friendship between Penny and Bernadette and Amy not grown to the level that it's grown to. Um, to the degree even where at first it was about Amy and Penny um, and then it became and it kind of grew into Amy, Penny and Bernadette um, to the point where Amy and Bernadette could be friends too, because there's like an episode in this season where they, the two of them go out together and, um, and are spending time together and are seeing what it's like to have female friendships. And I think for both Bernadette and Amy, those friendships have been missing most of their life. I mean, all kind of for Amy, I think all relationships are missing, but I think they really didn't have that kind of, um, that solidarity that, that, that kind of female friendship can give you. And, I really appreciate that they took the time to do that and to break the mold of what the Big Bang Theory was before yes. in order to do it. And that's a big risk when you have a, an audience that is as big and as dedicated as the Big Bang Theory is um, to take and kind of break open your show with a whole different set of characters and a whole different set of issues is, you know, really dynamic and great. So anyway. There. Somebody was on the ball, though. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because I was getting, I was already getting tired of the Sheldon show. Yes. And yes. I was like, you know what? I know this is working. I know that they're getting a lot of attention and everybody loves this character. But I said, they are going to make a big mistake if mm-hmm. they just ride this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, I don't, I, I'm like you, I don't know who all made the decision, but yeah. the show is much richer now. Yeah, it really is. It, re- it really has a depth that, that you don't really see honestly in a lot of sitcoms just in general, uh, yeah. with the, because of those relationships. And I, you know, like I said, taking that risk really paid off because they probably would have lost most of their female <laughs> Yeah, viewership had it stayed just the boys. Not that we don't love the boys, because you know they're you know good characters in and of themselves. But you know, it just it was a beautiful thing to watch it progress. Mm-hmm. It so, was. It was. It was. It was a real joy. Yeah, definitely. So Especially for those of us who you know might have had difficulty having female friendships mm-hmm. <laughs> at certain points exactly. in time in our lives. Hello, um, <laughs> <laughs> and knowing what it means to kind of evolve into a place where you can have those friendships. So yeah. So what about you, Rhonda? What's the? I feel like we need a drum roll here. <laughs> What's your number one? Um, well, my number one, uh, I'm surprised nobody else mentioned it, um, is Romy and Michelle from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yeah, that almost went on my list. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and in a way, it's one of those that I almost feel like needs to just go in the uh, in the vault because mm-hmm. it's just such a classic uh, movie in a lot of ways and in just a whole lot of ways. I mean, Mira Servino and Lisa Kudrow just do a really great job. They're hysterical. The quotes from that movie are just absolutely a riot. Yes. Which we Um, opened the show with a quote from that movie. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, 
but it's it's a sweet relationship. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's definitely um, over the top, but it's it's two women who were best friends in high school, and even at that time when people are questioning. Women and girls are questioning their identity and where they fit in and who they are. Uh, Romy and Michelle were very happy to be different mm-hmm. and that they had each other. And they just really didn't let anybody else affect them that much. They clung to each other and um, they were each other's fan and cheerleader. And they didn't need to be in with the athletes. They didn't need to be with right. uh, the freaks or the geeks. They were their own thing. And they were okay with that. And they stayed that way. Mm-hmm. And they were very happy about it. And the, the movie's sort of um, a point where they go through an identity crisis where they actually begin to question that. Right. And um, question that friendship and that relationship. Yeah. Question whether or not that being different was the right thing to be. Mm-hmm. And then they attempt to try to fit in. Yeah. And uh, that's what makes it a really great story and how they help each other out through that and, and their friendship saves yeah. them so yeah so so isabella have you seen this movie no okay oh my god <laughs> i'm sorry i'm i'm, 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 I'm not I'm sure culturally like deficient in some places i haven't I'm seen not... a lot of of shows that my friends saw when they were younger and they just still get on me about that oh, um, yeah. Well, see, I find this when I'm teaching sometimes because I, I realized that my touchstones um, had to had to grow and change because if I kept referring to certain movies that I thought everybody had seen, that my students would have seen oh. them. <laughs> oh, horrible. Isabella, do you, do you know very much about 80s culture at all? No. <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't care for the movie anyway. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is an 80s retrospective. I mean, yeah. it just... Have you seen Rock of Ages, Isabella? Uh, no. Okay. No, I actually, like, things that I've watched before, I've liked, but it's just, yeah, just grow, I just grew up in a different place. Mm -hmm. Well, Rock of Ages is more recent, but it's, it's the same, Romy and Michelle is that, that same kind of, it's a, it's a period 80s movie. (laughs) Uh Well, I, I I was just never exposed to it Mm -hmm. to the point where, because my parents didn't grow up here. Right. So they're also totally culturally that area was totally totally different for them empty for them too yeah yeah well we um we really surprised each other with our list today (laughs) we really appreciate isabella coming up with the topic because it it definitely um was not an easier list to make i had to think about it quite a bit so that was that's, That's nice. Always great. Yeah. When you have to kind of go, hmm, okay, let me, let me scratch my chin on this one and see this. Yeah. And we would love if our listeners um, can think of any uh, more sci-fi type yeah, friendships. Fantasy too. Friendships. Yeah. Um, be, be sure and let us know about that. I think that's an interesting point here. And then make your own um, top five list and see if you see any patterns in your list like we did today. <laughs> It's been a while since we've done our gender cells segment. I hope that's a good sign that marketing to gender stereotypes is improving. Nah. Nah, I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually, because we haven't done the segment in a while, I've been, you know, actively paying more attention. I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, I'm not, I'm just must not be watching in a TV or, but no, the commercials are, are, are. I'm seeing lots and lots of shows, lots and lots of commercials. So, you know, that's that's a pretty good thing. I don't know whether yeah. it's seasonal. I don't know whether it's because football season's over. <laughs> it, could, it could be. It could be because we passed the Super Bowl, you know. Yeah, that might that might be part of it. Well, uh, the two that we're going to talk about today, you you found and sent to me. I still uh, I had not come up with anything. So. Yeah. Um, well, the first one um, that we're going to talk about was shared with us on the Facebook page by a listener and Katrin Sundelin, and I'm hoping I pronounced all that right. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's hope. Better you than me. <laughs> <laughs> she sent me a message and was just like, you know, this this commercial is making me ill. And I'm and I watched it and I'm like, oh wow, we're really gonna have to talk about this one. So this is a Carl's Jr. commercial, um, which is a chain uh, fast food restaurant, which is also known as Hardee's in the South. And essentially, the message is you have to be a man to eat their burgers. So um, it takes uh, the image of Mystique, right? 
Yes. I got yes. that right. Yes. Okay. Mystique from the X-Men. Um, and in order to eat a Carl's Jr. burger, she has to physically turn into a man in order to be able to eat it. And then when she finishes it, then she turns back to Mystique again. Yeah, it's just a freaky, weird commercial. <laughs> but Hardee's, Hardee's is known. They, they really don't care. They, they do everything except say, here's a heart attack on a bun. <laughs> I mean, they know it. They yeah. don't care. But this one was just weird. Yeah. What did I mean, you think, Isabella? I, well, because I saw that message too, and I clicked yeah. on it, and I watched it and then watched it again and then kind of just like threw up my hands in the air and was like really <laughs> that is basically my horse was like really we're still doing this yeah I know that Carl's Jr. is kind of known yeah for their you know kind of horribly sexist commercials but yeah they had Mystique... one with a cowgirl on it at one point in time that I would like leave the room when they came on and I'm like I can't even look yeah at I remember the ones of like a woman like on a car mm-hmm. I can't remember who did it oh yeah on a car like just like eating a burger and it's just oh. yeah it just like kind of makes me ill yeah yeah they're notorious and I kind of hate that they took Mystique who is this amazing character who can do anything and be anyone and i really think that she would take offense to the fact that they use that well that that was part of what made me really want to talk about this on the show was you know here's this fantastic you know powerful geek you know culture icon you know character and and they just blast her in this commercial and it's like uh-huh. Well, and you you can't just you can't just blame Hardy's because no, no I can't. the yeah, the movie the too. yeah yeah have mm-hmm. has chosen Hardy's as a sponsor yeah, yeah and they signed off on this yep and that's why I'm saying you know the marketing people they're whores <laughs> they they don't care they want to sell movie tickets and Mystique is on screen anyway a a teenage draw right right so. You know they're they're in bed with them, and that's just that's a, that's the part like, like you said that that makes you sick. Yeah, yeah, that it's taking you know it's exploiting geek culture like that, and I I don't, I don't know I don't want to see the movie after this commercial. I definitely don't want to go to Carl's Jr. It's not some place I go to anyway, but um, <laughs> he definitely lost any business they might have ever gotten from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, not an X Men's fan, so I don't yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was looking at some of the the comments on the YouTube page. Oh, you which are is braver than me. <laughs> probably not a good thing, but I saw some people saying that the X Men Facebook page actually pulled this off of their off of their Facebook page because people were complaining so much. Oh wow! Because they they were offended. Yeah. About what they were doing to this character that they love. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the ad is still out there. I don't think that they can't just yeah pull they can't undo the that. ad. Yeah, but no. But, but that's least, good to hear. Yeah, I'm at glad, least. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that is. That is really good. I'm, I'm glad that, that, you know, the well, you know, I shouldn't be surprised because, you know, geek geek fandom and, and geek and nerd fandom can be pretty voracious about protecting their their heroes. Yeah. So it makes sense that they're like, no, we don't want to see this. So, yeah. yeah. Good for them. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And so the other commercial that we have is a Jello pudding commercial. Um, where a little boy comes home from from school and um, sits down. His first at, day of school. It's first his first day of school and sits down at like the breakfast bar, and um, what? And his dad is there and he's in an apron and he's wa- drying dishes. Is he drying dishes? Yep. He's doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's drying dishes yes. with his hand in an apron in the kitchen and uh, asks a you know little boy how to go and you know um, he's like you got any pudding back there. <laughs> <laughs> And his dad gives him a pudding and then he's, you know, oh, it was blocks and numbers and this and that. And then uh, his dad says, oh, it'll be easier tomorrow. And the little boy says, I have to go back. I might need another. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so much that I love about this commercial, but I'll let you guys start. What did you, what did you think of it? (laughs) Go ahead, Isabella. Um, I just love that they just acted totally normal about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just try to play on the fact that they're like, oh, we have a man in the kitchen. Look, it's a dad. Look, it's a dad. Oh, Look, my it's gosh. A dad. Yeah. He's taking care of his child. <laughs> but they just just totally nonchalantly did that and yep. didn't call any attention to it. And it's just completely normal. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I'd really like to see more because usually they, they try to like 
make it funny, like put the man in like a frilly apron or something, mm-hmm. um, just feminize him. But no, he's just wearing a regular apron, yep. drying dishes like he does that every day. Right. Like it's just it's just completely normal. And that is, yeah, definitely a beautiful thing to see. I thought it was hilarious that the the entire scene is basically the bar scene at in a Western. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's drying the glasses and the cowboy comes in. He slides the pudding down the counter (laughs) to him and he's got the apron on. How's it going? And they talk. He's like, better make it a double, man. (laughs) It's just, it's exactly a a bar scene. It is. And that's a great thing. It's like, it's just like taking, you know, this ordinary day and mashing it together with a genre that's completely unexpected. Yeah. You know, and, and, and normal and natural. And it, it just really, yeah, it really, and it's one of the few times, like, I, I, I watch a lot of TV over Hulu, um, like my current shows I watch over Hulu, um, and my Hulu gets into ruts, and so I have to listen to, like, the same commercials all the time. Yeah. And this is one of the few commercials that, no matter when it comes on, I smile at it. <laughs> yeah. And I have seen it many, many, many times, and I'm still like, you are a winner. <laughs> Well, the question is, when you guys were kids, when you came home from school, did you have a snack? Um, yeah. Yeah, what usually. Did, what did you have? Well, my mom, my mom was a stay-at-home mom when I was little, so she usually just had lunch. So I I never had like snacks, snacks. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did uh, you have, Regina? Um, usually I would have fruit or or raw veggies. Yeah, I was like, see, everybody's got that that thing, though. See, yeah, I mean, when I cut when I came home, my favorite thing to have was rice pudding. Oh. My mom made great rice pudding and I would have that as a snack as soon as I came in the door. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was always like apples or carrots or broccoli, which is probably why yeah. I tend to favor those things now. <laughs> well, everybody knows when it comes to marketing, I'm in, I'm pretty jaded. I uh, I like the idea that we haven't done gender sales in a long time, mm-hmm. um, but I have a feeling that it will continue because uh, selling gender uh, makes money. So, yes. but if it's a long time before we do this segment again, I will not be sad. <laughs> Maybe and, and and at the same time, the the commercials are either um, just completely neutral because we enjoy talking about commercials also like the the pudding commercial that do some positive stereotype representation. Mm -hmm. So um, there haven't been a whole lot of those out lately either. Yeah, yeah. Everything's sort of flat, but yeah, you never know what's going to be around the corner. And don't hesitate, listeners, to let us know if you've seen something. We appreciate Anne Catron. Sulin, we appreciate um, her letting us know about the commercial. You've been listening to Game on Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website at gameongirl.com. I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and Steam. Isabella, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yes, it was delightful. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Nice to introduce our listeners to you. Yes. Now (laughs) everybody has a voice to put to the name we're constantly giving lots of our work to. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's going to get to a point where she's going to see my name in her email inbox and she's going to be like, oh, no. (laughs) But we very much appreciate all that you do for Game on Girl. So thank you. You're welcome. Yes. And uh, Game on Girls is available on iTunes and Stitcher Streaming. These links, along with references made on the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. Oh, and I'd like to put um, a gallery of pictures up of all of our our favorite friendships. So if oh, you cool. guys, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think we should do that. Yeah, if you guys could send me pictures from them, that would be great. So make sure to check out the post for this episode so you can see the gallery that we're going to put together for it. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under Creative Commons Attribution License. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on!